So here we are. I think we're recording. All right. My computer froze. Oh, boy. So we'll sound like uh, robots. No, nah, it's working. <laughs> okay. It took a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Hey, guys. You're listening to the Balanced Mail podcast series. I'm here with Jim. Say hi, Jim. Hey, everybody. Um, Jim, as you know, if you've listened, he was on a previous podcast for a dad talk. That was a couple years. That was like a year ago almost. I feel like that was in the height of COVID. Uh, it was, it, it felt, it, I think we were still in, was that pre-lockdown or was it post-lockdown? It was, um, what's in between pre and post? Uh, the, lockdown. the lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were in the lockdown. Um, oh God. That's some crazy times. It was crazy. Still is. It's still funny that we talk about that and that we're kind of in it. But anyway. But now um, now we're allowed to be sitting in a room together. So this is are, good. And we didn't have to be secretive about it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we were in a room together back then. Uh, <laughs> but so, We're such rebels. <laughs> we are. But I wanted to do this and have you on again because... Um, you know, we were a part of of we were a part of something pretty wild, mm-hmm. and um, you know, for me, living in Atlanta, you know, you forget that I forgot that my experience was worldwide, and I say that from the church that I was a part of, and meeting you, and you were part of the same church. You just don't you don't uh, come across that, especially with the the church that we were a part of. Mm. And so I kind of want to talk about that some. I think when we were on our dad talk, we talked about it a little bit, but right. I wanted to just kind of have some time to just really like talk about it, our experiences, funny stuff, intense stuff, <laughs> but not as like a like tell all, mm-hmm. screw it all kind of thing. Because I think we're both in a place where we've come out of it and we are have cool kind of viewpoints about it. Yeah. I don't, I think that's the, uh, that's great. And it's, it's one of the spirituality. Religion can get so personal Uh and the emotions around it can be so high, especially when you, um, when you, I guess, leave a religious tradition that you Uh grew up in, uh, you know, as I am, I feel lucky that it isn't, a huge emotional point for me anymore. And that it, it's something that I can look back on and I see a lot of the good that came from that time. And, uh, it's made, I think in many ways it's made me a better person. And, um, and, uh, you know, I don't, I'm, I don't have just tons of <laughs> bitterness and, you know, that, uh, that Lucky. I know some people that who, you know, <laughs> grew up in a very kind of intense church experience when they leave, bitterness, resentment, a lot of that can be a huge barrier to towards future spiritual growth. Yeah. And I feel very lucky that, uh, to just have some maybe time and distance away from it so that we can look at it with some perspective. Yeah, totally. My first, I mean, I, I said lucky when you really don't have a lot of bitterness and stuff, but you know, my therapist 
you know, <laughs> we talk about, yeah. I feel like I talk about church a lot. Um, but anyway, um, I kind of want to talk like we met. It's, it's hilarious how we met because so you grew up here yeah, in Virginia Beach. Mm-hmm. So did my wife. Y'all went to the same high schools, but didn't run the same crowd. To- opposite friend, uh, opposite friend circles. <laughs> she would, she would have. Would we? Would, would Jezebel? I hope she doesn't no. get mad if I call her Jezebel or he, maybe a heathen. Heathen. Could we say heathen? Oh yeah, no. I just. I mean, I. It's. I, I don't think I'd even seen a beer, uh, much less uh, come close to drinking one in high school. Oh my gosh, uh, my first drink was twenty-one. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it was. Now, my I was I was kind of starting to. Uh, experiment when I first got to college, but I, my first drink was definitely when I got to college. Uh, first time I'd ever seen anybody smoke pot, yeah. anything like that. It was all post high school for sure. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the community, the church community was definitely very, you know, that stuff did not make it in no, at it all. Uh, no, I remember, and you do not associate with people who are doing that. I, I remember a, uh, I remember one, one of our Wednesday night devos, somebody getting on and, and talking about devos. A, oh man, those devos, right? Devotional De- for yeah, the sorry for the yeah. layman's uh, devotional uh, was talking about someone who bought wine coolers for their household, and they all had one, and it was like <laughs> it was such a like mm. it was such a like. Um, Oh my God! Can you believe they bought wine coolers? Yeah. And I think it was probably like Smirnoff Ices or something. <laughs> and and they each like, had one. Like, oh my gosh, we're going to hell. Yeah, hundred percent hell, hell yeah. is happening. There's no doubt. So, I well, maybe a good place to start, Roy, is just uh, like, is there a like a, a thirty second or two minute broad overview of the church for anybody who might not know? Um, yeah, like two minutes. So the church was. And I don't like to use the the name. I won't. I don't. I kind of shy away from the name because I'm. What my goal in talking about? I'll say this is whenever I talk about my story or this or us even coming on, it's more about our experiences and like the bigger picture than the actual like the church. Because I mean, you know, because nobody wants to be assigned in blame or you know, yeah, it's, whatever. It's not what yeah. this is about. Mm-hmm. But I think our church was a part of, it was a offshoot of Church of Christ mm-hmm. that was started by one guy who had some really great ideas about what church should be or what could be. And then it became this movement that t- grew. got a lot, yeah, it grew a lot really of steam. Really fast in the 90s. Where in the night, yeah, eighties, seventies, eighties, nineties, and by the year two thousand, there was one of our churches in every major city in America and every country in the, in world, the world, right? Yeah, and it was, I, yeah, and it was this idea of kind of a back to the Bible, first century Christianity movement, right? So, this, yeah, so uh-huh. all of the kind of modern trappings of church were distractions, effectively, and we. The idea was we were getting back to first century Christianity, small groups, you know, uh, we do house churches. We would, uh, you were in the idea that first century Christianity, uh, you know, any, uh, anybody who's been in the 
the same experience as this would understand, but we were just that, that sold out. It was your whole yeah. life. Your life was this, your job, everything was your, your family. Everything was, uh, was done in light of your dedication and devotion to the church, the community in the same way that that first century church community was devoted. Is that, is that, yeah, and overview? I think we should talk about also raise the microphone. Oh yeah, bit, sorry. Raise the arm a little bit, so that oh, yeah, oh, this no, arm. Yeah, Here we go. Yeah. So I think All when, right. we, when we when we mention <laughs> first century, I think that's something that for people listening will probably like glaze over. But like what first century means is like after. So you have in the Bible when Jesus was crucified, right? And he was put up on the cross. And died for you know died for our sins or whatever. The first century was those people that spread the spread the news of Jesus after yeah. his death. Because definitely everybody started counting zero when yes. Jesus died. Because yeah. that's Jesus exactly died, what happened. And that's when our calendars are zero because that makes sense. Because that makes sense. And then the first century was um, all those people in that first hundred yeah. years. After but they were Jesus the ones died. that they yes. they were they were charged with spreading this news. And because they had this, they had this belief, this feeling, the experiences to spread this. Yeah. And it was all about spreading the word, spreading the gospel. And so when we say the first century church, like it was back to that, mm -hmm. where it was like our, our goal was getting everyone to be a part of our church. That's right. Because that was what you, the number one thing was yeah. to go out to make more disciples, bring people in. Uh, and disciples is a, I, we're using these terminology, but this idea that you're this, these disciples of Jesus, you know? And so, uh, we would use that term more than we'd ever use the word Christian, yeah. uh, to be honest. Because Christian was, Christian was like the, um, watered down. That's right. That's what everybody was in America. You're, yeah, we're, anyone, I, anyone can claim they're a Christian, a Christian but we but were. Are you a disciple? Yes. Are you a true follower? Yeah, That's right. There's all these metaphors they would use with like, I remember one preacher would always use like Kung Fu references mm -hmm. for disciples and things like that. But, you know, disciple was literally, you're, you were walking in the shoes mm -hmm. of Jesus. And in the road, and you know, in another, we took very seriously, it's like the road was narrow, right? Yeah. So everybody else who was quote unquote Christians were really just lukewarm and not really Christians. And yeah. we, because we were so dedicated yeah. 100%. and it's 100% dedicated, you know, there, there was no wishy-washiness about it. You were either in or you were out and it was intense, but, the, and you know, so not to get to, uh, that's, that's basically the, the atmosphere of the church. Uh, but not to get too thrown, you know, go down a rabbit hole, but I thought about this a lot, that this idea that you're in or you're out, and that seems so intense, but it was very much that level of intensity that what made that the church experience so attractive to people. And I think why it spread, because I do think that it called you to a higher purpose. And uh, even if it was ultimately closed minded, mm -hmm. There's especially when I was young, there's there just felt that it, it felt very exciting to be a part of this thing that you were throwing your life at, you yeah. know. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it was a little bit like I feel like when uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example, but you know, anything that you do that just requires 
every waking moment that is that your whole purpose is being devoted to it it just gives you a sense of meaning um yeah which i think was really good and attractive at least for me especially in my kind of teens and kind of early 20s yeah i think a lot of people search for purpose and if this if you have something that gives you purpose and not only purpose but a reward for your actions Mm -hmm. is very attractive to people so this was the environment that we were in, and this was kind of the 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 five minute version of what our church was. Throwing a lot of names, a lot of things that I hope that we you know we'll go back to, back and forth through all of this. But I think what's so funny about having you on <laughs> because it's 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 in it's pretty funny that we're here like together and we're talking about this because. Although our church was so big, it just is like wild to me that there that I moved to, you know, I decided to move to Virginia Beach to follow this girl <laughs> and we moved to this house and then you guys moved to the house that's like a couple streets behind us and you know, you knew Car you knew of Carly, you know, Carly knew of you. But like you weren't really friends, but then, you know, your wife was pregnant and, you know, mm-hmm. my wife was pregnant and then, you know, they start hanging out and talking. And here we are, like we both had this, we were part of this thing that from like opposite ends of, of you know, different points yeah. in America. And so here we are. And I just, I love the fact, like the story of how we met or how like, <laughs> how we're like together. Cause like, you know, my, my, <laughs> My wife and your wife were sitting on a bench or something. I have no idea. And because yeah, my, she told me so. They were. I think they were sitting on a bench. And you know, your you know, your wife was like, "Hey, do you guys go to church?" <laughs> and then Carly was like, "No, you know, my husband. But... Was part, my husband was part of this really intense church and blah blah blah." They're all like, "She she like threw out the word cult watch, which is something that we have to talk about in a second too." But anyway, <laughs> she goes. Oh my gosh, were you part of this? And then, you know, my wife texts texts me and I was like, Yeah, it was this. And then it was like this, oh my God. Yeah. We were a part of the same church. And then we like we like hung out for drinks one and when, night and, and you know, listen. We like started nerding out on everything. And it was just when you go through that when you go through an similar experience like that, you know, it's it's uh it is it's interesting to be able to connect with people that know and understand, you know, in that in that world. Because we were part of something so so like counterculture to the counterculture. Yeah. Like counterculture. I can't mm. believe like we were like two levels deep <laughs> into like this like church level, you know? And so it's like to meet someone that like, cause you know, I would run into people in Atlanta all the time that were part of the mm. church. Cause that's, it was just a big city. Mm-hmm. But then I come out here and nobody knows yeah. what it was. Here you are. It's it's pretty wild. Yeah, so. no, it's a, it is. It's definitely wild. So how did you? So what was your journey like in when you were in the church? Is that a good place to start? We can just start with that. I think I do want to. I do want to mention the cult thing first. Oh yeah, because the cult word got thrown around a lot. It was a little. Us. It was like a little culty. It was. I. You know. I, I've said like it's like the diet coke of cults. You know. It wasn't like totally not a cult. 
it totally wasn't but i remember you know but it but we'll get into that too i just because i think i was going to title this podcast we were in a cult question mark, question mark. you know like <laughs> maybe uh i don't know but yeah, because uh, anyway so yeah so my experience um I was kind of born into it. Mm-hmm. My parents, my parents got involved with our church in the seventies. Uh, they were met as one of the. So our church got started at the University of Florida, in that surrounding area, and then it like moved. It kind of spread to uh, Florida State, and my dad was going to school there, and my mom was living in Tallahassee, and so they met there, and so they became a part from the beginning. That's like OG. Yeah, oh, they weren't like that is the OGs, but real early. Yeah, um, real early, mm-hmm. and then moved to Atlanta and was a part of the first members of the Atlanta church. Mm-hmm. Um, which pretty funny. The, uh, <laughs> the where that church is now is one of is now an apartment complex. They renovated that whole church and turned it into a bunch of lofts. Look at that. But anyway, so I was born into it. And I think that experience is different from a lot of people because my entire world, how everything was explained, how everything was like shown, how things made sense to me was through the lens of this. Mm-hmm. Which I think is part of the reason why I've been exploring and trying to like dissect this and figure it out because like i know that like i think your experience is a little different and even from friends of mine who like did they were just they were met by people and joined it like everything that i knew was through the lens of this we were kingdom kids kingdom kids is what we call i was a kingdom kid (laughs) i hate using that term but that's what i was but you were a kingdom kid, but not, not. Oh, I was fully kingdom kid. But were, but like, was your mom a member before you were born? Not before. So my mom yeah. uh, was baptized in San Diego when I was like four. Yeah. Uh, so you're basically the same. Yeah. So I'm sorry that I assume. <laughs> oh, I was young. It's like it was all yeah. I knew. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I th- it and so if it's all you know, I think that's why. I'm trying to figure it all out. Yeah. Because I think that puts it like, I don't know. I think messes with your mind a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it will, you, you know, there's, uh, there's good and bad to it, I think. So I was similar, you know, I was four, grew up in the church, was absolutely, my life, I loved it, and I thought it was going to be my job, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I thought I was going to be a preacher, and that, uh, I, I, at least when I was in high school, I kind of wanted that. I felt that ministry would be a, it was something that I was interested in, and it was, uh, it was all I knew. And I remember, though, it was very much getting... But I always had friends. This is, you know, my my downfall (laughs) was that I always I did have friends outside of the church community, which were a big lifeline for me 
and helped kind of broaden my horizons, especially when I got to college. And you begin realizing you start having these thoughts like, okay, I grew up as a, you know, Christian disciple, Jesus, everything. I mean, I was reading books. We were, you, I was getting up at four in the morning to meet up with people for two hour long Bible studies and prayer marathons. I mean, it, it was, it was everything. And then God, you, I'm getting PTSD. Yeah. And I'm you, literally getting PTSD. Exactly. Like, thinking about you saying that. Sunrise here in here in Virginia Beach, you name it, dude. Sun the sunrise prayer, and it wasn't so you know to any other churchgoers out there. We're not talking light prayer. We're talking hours of prayer. Like it it, it was. I'm I'm spilling my spilling my bourbon, Uh, but yeah, and uh, and so you get to uh, you know so you get to college, and I remember thinking to myself, okay. I have lived this way, but the reason I believe all of this, and I believed it so deeply, uh, but the reason I believe all of it was because I had grown up in it because I was a kingdom killer. If I had grown up in Saudi Arabia, I would have been a Muslim, or if I had grown up in India, I would might be Hindu. And you know, you believe these things with the same level of passion and zeal that I did. And I, I just thought it was such a factor of basically where I was born. <laughs> and I said, I have to broaden out from that. How do I know this is my faith uh-huh. and not, how do I know it's my faith? I, I literally, I could not tell you why it was my faith. I, the only reason I could point to was because I grew up in it and I realized that was a problem. Yeah. And that was my exit effectively. That was the beginning of my exit was, I realized that this was just what I had grown up in. I needed to broaden out. And so ultimately I made my break with the church, which is, which in, in this particular situation is not just like leaving a church. When you make a break with the particular tradition that we were in, it was, you were cutting yourself off from everybody that you knew. Uh, so uh, it was, it was a, you were just, you were cut off. Yeah. Man, you went right into it. I mean, I was, I mean, it was, I think it's so funny because like you, you mentioned how much you loved it. And I meant like, whenever I think about it, like I didn't like most of it. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, you didn't like praying for, for hours, no, like popcorn prayer. I didn't, I didn't like a lot of it to be honest. And that's one thing that I think that as I like reflect on my life, but I think when we're born into it, like what else are you going to do? Like I thought it was like, this is just how it is. Yeah. You know, kind of thing, which was has damaging. Um, we talk, we, you know, you jumped right into like the leaving part, which you like, you know, you're like, went like three steps ahead, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. But, um, I, th- I think it's just like, I think what I kind of want to start with, though, is like, when they told you about God, mm-hmm. w- as a kid, like, what was it that, like, what do you remember about, like, God? How was it presented to you? Who was it? Like, was it like the male? Was it? This guy like checking off 
you know, every time you touched yourself at night. Yeah. No, you know, honestly, it was, it was, it, it we very much landed on the father figure. Yeah. hundred percent. So and it was, it was very much that that's where the focus was, was on the kind of, these are the rules. This is in, in not so much that these are the rules, but that God had instituted a certain order to life and it was important that we followed that order and every time that we didn't there was you were creating separation between you and the natural way that things should be so it's this concept of this idea that uh, Adam and Eve in the garden kind of walking with God is you know you know naked and just carefree effectively was this was the ideal image in this fall, this idea that we basically stopped listening to God or we decided that we were our, we knew better or how to run our lives than God started creating separation. So I would say it, that, that kind of garden image of God was the one that I grew up with the most um, and then the, the kind of cosmo cause cosmic story is one of human beings, you know, step by step, we in individually and collectively separating ourselves from this kind of idyllic state of nature yeah. that we were meant to be in. Yeah. I think that that was probably the same for me. I think it was this, this, there was this idea of how the world should be. Mm -hmm. We weren't living that. We needed to get back to that. And he was watching. I think the thing that I think about the most was like, there's someone watching me that I consistently (laughs) think about. You're you're, you're the Santa Claus, Santa Claus God. Yeah. And like, (laughs) like I, I, I just remember like, anything i did wrong you know you kind of like i like i'm looking up now but like as a kid i would look up to the sky god was definitely up yeah god was always up Uh uh-huh he was watching you and then you talked about separation i think that's a big thing for for me is that you were separate from god god and definitely god was a guy he definitely was a father Mm -hmm. and you were consistently trying to get back to his good graces. Mm-hmm. So that was like, that that was the God that was presented to me. And it was really important that you were trying. Because yeah. at least that's how we were. It was because anybody who's familiar with the concept of, with anything in Christianity is going to be familiar with the concept of grace. And the concept of grace was definitely present growing up this idea that you're just too far away you're too fucked up you will never be able to get back to god so the only way that you can possibly reconcile with the cosmic creator with the universe is uh, not the universe that's that would be a definitely would disagree with that but that's kind of more where i am now but but with this kind of cosmic creator the only way to reconcile would be was through his own sacrifice, yeah. right? By h- him uh, coming 
to Earth, dying for us in order to bridge that gap yeah. that we could in no possible way bridge, our, bridge ourselves. And that is fundamental. That's the, that's the basic, that is the basic tenet of all Christianity. So that was definitely true for us. The, the difference is that uh, we felt that we needed to be trying really, really hard to not oh, fuck yeah. up anymore. So you it was like... Try. I'm like, it was, I mean, let's, let's, let's capital T that word. Try. You, if you, you better yeah, try if you, hard. right, you better try hard because if you, if you touch yourself, you're definitely going to hell. And if you're like mad at somebody, if you take, if you take a second look at that girl walking yep. down the street, you, we confessed it. You have to, you have, we had to confess. Oh dude, did you have to do confessions? Did the confessions was always the, that was the, that was always the toughest part. I think we should just jump into it because it's natural, the natural progression of the conversation. But the amount of time that I talked about the things that I did, quote unquote, wrong is all the time. Because you had your you had your discipleship partner. Did you have a discipleship partner? Up oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So your discipleship partner was someone that you had to basically talk to about all the naughty stuff that you said, thought, did. We're thought of... I mean, it dreamt dreamt, dreamt. Yeah. you know when you're, you're 30 oh my god dude Not when i was emissions. well yeah when you're 12 years old and you have a wet dream it's like you confess it like Jeez. it's a sin you know i remember, <laughs> I remember coming to a disciple one of my one of my discipleship partners i never had one that i liked well there's one that i liked and that was because he was a friend of mine <laughs> and it was the chillest one that i ever had and i god that was great but anyway but I remember like coming, it's like, yeah, man, like I had a wet dream and I feel like a piece, you know, you kind of like, you, any, you feel like a piece of crap, which is something that I think we can talk about too. And he was like, nah, man, it was like, a, it's like a get out of jail free card. Like you can't control it because it was, and I remember being like, oh yeah, that's great. Dude, my discipleship partner said, well, you are obviously going to bed with you're thinking about these things. You need to control your thoughts before you go to sleep. So, God, and that's yeah. the way that you're able to, to, to control these things. And, you and, and, and uh, <laughs> but I would say that honestly, so much of these confessions, so funny because we jumped right into the, that kind of thing, but like it was, it, it, it's like anything that was dating girls related, sex related was tops in, no doubt. Well, that was number one tops in. I think and, Everything else was, yeah. in, it, it, it was everything else was bad, yeah. but number one top sin you, that you confessed the most that you it, it was you almost felt pressured to confess him the most was you that did, was that did, stuff like oh I saw this like hot girl and I took a second look you know God, and how you had dare to you know, take a second look yeah. God how many times did you I God man and you confess it so. It's so funny because the idea of the discipleship partner is to have someone that can call you higher. You two can work together to like, to be like better and be like great in this, like this, like thing. And I kind of get that to have like a partner that you can like talk to and things like that. But what I, it's like you like you just said, I remember all I remember thinking or talking about was like, Girls and masturbation. <laughs> it is basically the like biggest confession piece. That's all. But like, I think that's something to talk about. I feel like all I ever talked about in like discipleship groups or like we would get, you know, 
do you ever do the devos where like the girls would go one way and the guys would go the other all the time yeah yeah and all the guys talked about was like masturbation like masturbation was the thing that was like we are gonna but i i here's the thing is because you had to start there everybody had to talk about it because god forbid if you ever came out and you said i had sex oh my god you would have been kicked out of the church you were kicked out of the church so you know so it's like be careful what you confess you know what i mean it's like you 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 know we can you were allowed to confess to you know (laughs) you're allowed to confess to the kind of more minor things but you know if you went any further it was you were cut you were cut off yeah but here's my problem with that and it's been such a struggle for me so like my first thoughts like this might be too much for people so anyway i mean i don't care whatever the first time i ever did i ever jerked off (laughs) I can remember being like, well, this is it. Now I'm fully separated from God. Like, I now have to work back towards his good graces. Like, I remember feeling like, because, you know, whenever you're exploring as a kid, it's shameful, it's weird, it's uncomfortable. But then I had this feeling of like, okay, I'm fucked now. Yeah. Right? Like, think, like, that was something that, like, I still, like, viscerally feel. And this was, like, 28 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's intense for a 12 or 13-year-old kid to, like, unpack. A hundred percent. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But there was a, there definitely was a focus on it. I think, you know, there was also a huge focus on... You know, that's the bad. So we, we, we kind of started with the bad. You know, there was a good. It's okay, though, that we can, because there's a few more things I want to talk about. Because that, that, sh- that was kind of the more, that was, that was the more, oh, God, like I can't, like that's kind of strange looking back on it. But the good, there were some good things to a kind of a confession mentality, You because it made you think about, outside of that, you would also talk about things like anger yeah. or uh-huh. pride or selfishness or jealousy and by speaking these things out loud to people you learn a lot about the emotions themselves and this is stuff that i feel i hear now on every podcast yeah. on wellness out there which i'm like this is not new information by putting names and voice to some of these feelings that are toxic yeah is it helps it not control you Mm -hmm. and i think that's where ultimately like confession originally started with as a good thing it's confession was a way to name these toxic emotions these toxic ways of seeing and you would speak them out and it helps you to understand them and allow them to pass so that you can overcome them they don't control you anymore yeah and that was the freedom i think that you know what with the freedom that christianity still does offer in many forms is this freedom from control of these these negative elements like anger or jealousy or selfishness or whatever it might be that can drag you down and confession was one way of naming it 
so that you could control or, or overcome it or, or at least like have it not control you. Um, so yeah, so I think that there is, there is good things to confession. Um, I think it was out of control when we were <laughs> yeah, in, when we were growing up, but looking back on it now yeah. with some perspective, I see where there could be some benefits to it. And it gave me a lot of language that helped me later in life. Yeah. I was very comfortable talking and identifying in myself feelings of, Oh, that's I'm jealous. I'm just jealous. And then I can understand my jealousy and move on. Or I'm, I'm, you know, you know, it's, or sadness or whatever it might be, you know? And, yeah. uh, so I do think that there are, there, there is some, you know, it's too bad you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. There was probably there's well, some good, good elements. Yeah, I can see how this is gonna be. I'm gonna, I'm gonna th- throw all the crappy stuff in here and be like, hold on, there were some good things, Roy. Yeah, it's <laughs> gonna be that's gonna be how this conversation <laughs> is gonna go. No, but but there is power. So I think what uh, the word vulnerability comes to mind when like you're talking about that because to be vulnerable in that sense of being like no i feel this what does that mean to like another male or just like someone else is like very powerful and it did it did teach me how to talk you know i i I do agree with you in that because some of some of the best conversations were with with dudes, I was like, yeah, man, I'm just struggling right now. I remember that word struggling. Struggling. We're always struggling. We're always struggling with something. But just saying like, yeah, he, you know, because like you could never be like, I don't think, especially in my 20s and being in college in this, in the college ministry, it's like you couldn't just be like, how you doing, man? I'm good. It was always like, no, how you really doing? Mm-hmm. And I think with like, there was like this intensity of like, how am I really doing? kind of feeling you know like am i fine maybe i am no i'm not fine wait why do i think i'm not fine you know but like but being able to articulate like feelings that would turn into like oh this is what i'm really feeling and then you have these breakthroughs with like a couple of dudes you know is is a very powerful thing because i think in in american culture we like you know, men don't talk about their feelings or emotions. No. You know, and I think I've been I've been vulnerable with with men for most of my life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, like, uh, mm-hmm. And just being like open with like, nah man, like I'm feeling this. And they're like, Yeah, you're not crazy for feeling that. And so like that is very a it's a very powerful thing. I think what what always just made me feel sad was that it always would come back to masturbation. Yeah. It always would god. come back to masturbation. Yeah, it's like god damn it. Yeah. And you would I, always uh, be like, "Oh god, do we have to talk about that?" I, and I, I have to say this, but I remember I remember being in one of those devotionals when the men went one way, the girls went the other way, and this this guy got up. He's like, "Man, I've been I've been baptized for 6 months mm-hmm. and I haven't touched myself since." And I remember being like, God, I did it before I came here. And I just remember being like, I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. You know? I, I, yeah, I think, yeah, there's uh, 
There's that. I think there was, you know, listen, I, 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 I'm somewhere in the middle on the vulnerability because I do think that there is an element of you. There is a reality to the fact that we are all always struggling with something. Yes, we and all there are. is in, in being able to think about your life in a way of like where like almost as a third party like you're objectively looking at your life like you're somebody else looking at your life yeah and in examining your life saying what am i struggling with well you know it's like my i'm i'm having i'm just struggling with a little bit of anger because i'm having a tough time potty training my daughter or i'm having you know it's like you can look at your life and say okay i can see this where i'm struggling i think the the downside the negative element is where you would there almost was an over focus on everything that is going wrong or could go wrong in your life and not uh you know and so you're kind of always trying to pick yourself apart and you're, yeah. you 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 almost get too self-critical you want to be self-critical that is a good thing but to be overly self-critical just breeds anxiety i think it would it 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 makes you almost like paranoid over, you know, do I, you know, and, and there was also, unfortunately, this is just with church culture. There was a little bit like what you just said with that guy who got up uh, and it's like, I've been baptized for six months and, you know, and I haven't touched myself since. And it's like, there's this element of competitive sinning or like yeah. lack thereof where you feel, Oh, well, like I need to confess this or I, you know, or, you know, and anybody who's been in kind of a vulnerable group where people are sharing will know this. And it's a great thing. It's also a really hard thing. But sometimes you do feel pressure to like, like share something really bad. And oh, yeah. And you, you, because everybody else is sharing something that's really emotional or bad. And so you're like, what do I have? And you have to, it almost, and I, in the, in this, in the, I have to share something that's really intense and bad. And, and you end up acting it instead of just sharing it. Yeah. And at least that, that was, a, I, I felt that before. Uh, and this might be kind of strange to anybody who hasn't like sat with a group of 10 people where everybody's sharing their like deepest, darkest life secrets. But it's, um, you know, I just like watch how, people. Yeah. How normal was that for <laughs> us to sit in a group of like 10 guys and just talk about just everything. talk about everything and, and listen and like i said it, it 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 was it was like we were in aa meetings yes but every day oh all my the time God. every like conference everything you were going to get into a breakout group of people you didn't know uh -huh. and you were going to have to talk about something like and you needed to have something like like ready ready you you have yeah. to have a story ready and honestly if you could if you can cry Oh Bonus my points. god! If you could cry. Bonus points. We need to. Oh, there's so much I want to talk. Like, uh, I, that's kind of offensive to people who oh, truly share gosh. things that are amazing like, and cry. But so, but that's I would share things and I would be I would I would over I would overact it because knowing yeah. you know it's like so a, I had to talk about this overacting thing. So like so I was a part you know so I was born in church and I was a part of it until I was in high school and then I kind of was like. There was this thing that happened where I wasn't quote unquote sold out enough mm -hmm. 
and I was kicked out of this one because so like in our in You're our being lukewarm. Well, in our church, you had like here in our region, you had so you have the team ministry, and then you had two separate team ministries. You had the team ministry for just the kids. It was just like yeah, it was at whatever hotel the church was meeting at at the time. And for those of you, like, we never had a church building. We were always in hotels in Atlanta. So, anyway. So, you had this team ministry. But then you had the ones that were, like, they had been baptized or they were studying mm-hmm. the Bible to be baptized. And we need to get into studying the Bible later. Don't let me forget to talk about studying the Bible because that was a thing. But, anyway. So, if you were, like, baptized or, like, in the process of getting baptized, you got to go to the special team ministry. So, and it was at someone's house and it was, it was always fun. There were snacks and things and just, it was just a good time and you were separate and it was cool. And I, I went to it, but then some people felt like I wasn't quote unquote sold out enough. I mm-hmm. wasn't taking things seriously. Now, I was still coming to church all the time. Not enough. I was, I never, I didn't have sex, didn't do drugs, didn't do anything. But someone felt that I wasn't taking it serious enough. And they said he shouldn't come to this special teen ministry anymore. And I was cut off. I remember I was like, I went to the hotel because that was a cool thing. I would go to this hotel and then the teen worker, which was like these adult males Mm -hmm. or females that would like hang out with the teens. They would like, he would come and pick me up and we would drive to this person's house, hang out, do this cool, fun, like ministry thing. And then go back to the hotel and I'd go home. He came and he like, was like, Hey man, I got to talk to you. And it's like, you can't come to this anymore. And I remember being like, feeling like, what did I do wrong? Did he tell you? He he. They just said I wasn't serious enough. But what happened was it, and I. What? Well, but it because, something happened. So here's the thing. We had just done. We're jump. We're gonna jump all over the place with this, but. So when you wanted to be baptized, you studied the Bible. Yes. And there was a series of studies that you would do. Did you do those? All of them. All of them. And it was like different things we can get into it, but it was basically like a series of steps mm-hmm. to show that you were ready to be baptized. And there was this one particular one called the cross study mm-hmm. where you would like, literally it was all about how Jesus died for you. And they went step by step. Every sin every... You, you, was a nail yeah. in the hand they went of like, Jesus. They went through like the whole process of what Jesus went through being crucified on this cross and mm-hmm. he thought about you and I didn't cry the whole time. Yeah. I didn't cry either, but crying was a big piece of the crying cross study. Was a big thing. Yeah. And so you had to be broken. You had to be broken. You had to be and broken. You had to feel broken for your sin. And I remember being like, this is crazy that this guy did this. This is intense. Oh my gosh. Like, I can't believe that he would do this for me. There's all these things, but I didn't shed a tear. But because that, I didn't shed a tear, yeah. I felt, I think, and that's, that's why that's me, like in my 16 year old brain thinking that 
Well, so so I was not a crier either, but you have to also, you can't just nod and move on during the crossover. You have to, oh, well, you know, I can't, it's like, I just, you know, I can't believe that all these things in my life, I'm 13 and I murdered Jesus. You know, it's like. Yeah, it's like, how how does a 15-year-old kid process that, right? And yeah, but that, I, believe me, I I know exactly what you're talking about. So long story short, I left after that. Cause I was like, this is crazy. Cause like I had to go to the regular teen ministry and then I was like, nah, I'm not into this right now. And I kind of had my like little rum springer as you could say. But then I had it, the juicy story because I like one day was like taking my brothers to church and I was going to like sneak out and like not go to church. And I like got into this really big car crash that like there's this thing called uh this part in Atlanta called Spaghetti Junction and it's where 75 or no it's where 285 and 85 meet and if you're looking up high it looks like a bowl of spaghetti okay and I almost went off one of the ramps oh my god which is like 40 feet a 40 foot drop yeah so like I got to share that like that was one of the moments when I like because after that car crash it was like okay. I'm going to, I'm going to start coming back to church. And I remember getting, getting to share that and like hearing people gasp. It was like, yeah, yes, I got a story for you guys. Exactly. You know, get the spotlight. Yep. Uh, and, and you know, and now it's a, it's a, it's a way to parlay. Okay. I, you can turn that into a redemptive story. And that was a huge yeah. Peace was being able to share that stuff, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, that's that makes perfect sense. Um, that's crazy about the the that you didn't cry during the cross. I I I don't remember crying. I do remember I just a large amount of contrition, but I knew. Yeah. But, uh, but when I said it, dude, I I knew it was what you were supposed to do. So. I may not have been able to turn on waterworks, but I knew that there was a that you had to have a certain level of contrition, and there was an emotional component to that that you had to have. But, uh, so, so it was so funny is because so after like my my freshman year of college, when I like went back and like did the whole studies, like I made sure I cried. Yeah, you cried. I cried. I oh cried hard. Oh, you did it. Because I felt like you I did had it. to. <laughs> you did it. Because if I didn't, they were going to kick me out again. <laughs> I didn't want to be kicked I out. I know. Oh. Because like, like I was born to this. What else do I have? I know. Right? And that's the thing is that's why that's what is so challenging is because it's your friends, it's your family, it's everybody that you know. And so if you leave, you're leaving everyone. And that is kind of what makes it kind of culty. <laughs> but like... And it was, it's, it could be a, it could be a real challenge, but I, you know, listen, I will say that I tell people about studying the Bible and Bible studies and this kind of a thing with the church. And, uh, and it, 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 most people that I know that are Christian now, this is very unfamiliar to them because when you join a church, when you join a normal church, you just join it. You don't like, there is a baptism component to it. And, you know, we've mentioned baptism a couple times right now on uh, 
since we've been chatting, but there's a baptism component to most churches, but it was, it, you didn't just become a member. You had, you studied, you went through is basically intense studies, which led up to baptism, which was, that was the moment that you were saved. You were brought in. You had to be an adult. You had to be, know what you're doing, so to speak. You couldn't be baptized as a baby or whatever. And, you know, you didn't just take a class or, you know, where I go to church now, it's great. It, but you just say, you just say I'm a part of it, you know, and you, and it's, there's, there was no so drawn out initiation. So like I, what we had a very long drawn out, it would take I have, months. I have initiation. a pad and I'm really trying to find, cause I wrote out the studies because I think that's important to talk about because like, you know, when you, when you decide, like a lot of times, like you decide to like give yourself to something, they're like, they're like, here you go. Have that. Yeah, that's great. Glad you're a part of it. But for us, it was like, oh no, you want to be a part of it? Well, and then hold on a second. Let's make sure. You, and you had like, um, so there was the discipleship study. Oh no! So you, well, I mean, you started with the word. You started with the word. You everybody oh, everybody tell starts with the word. The word. The word. Was. That's so. So you, you know, we're should we? I'm I'm going to convert people right now on you this podcast. Convert, this is a convert them. Uh, no, the word is 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 just going through and understanding why the Bible is inspired scripture yeah. and this idea that the Bible so is God, God is God's word for us that it is infallible. And it is perfect. Yeah. So that, and where does all that come from? So, you know, and so there's this idea that you, you had to study this, this idea uh -huh. of how did we come to this concept and how did we come to understand the Bible as this infallible word of God? And so you can't, so I think a lot of, honestly, most Christians today probably would have no idea how to tell you how, we understand that you just kind of take it for granted, but nothing was ever taken for granted with us. It was like, oh, you had to know. Nothing. And, nothing was ever taken for granted. and then, and then, uh, Oh God, what did you go into after that one? Then you went into like the, you had the discipleship and that was, that I was had, what following. So I like, Oh my, oh my gosh, God. I, this is, I, I, I can't remember for at all. For those of you that are, are and it doesn't matter, but it doesn't really matter. The long, the real point is that it's just a long drawn out initiation process, but, and then the best, not the best part, but the craziest part, which was like what, why people loved it was cause you know, you weren't just baptized. It was like a celebration. You considered it literally your new birthday. Yeah. I, I remember we celebrated people's not real birthdays, we celebrated people's spiritual birthdays the day that they were baptized. It was a huge deal. Yeah. We would go down to 89th Street here at the oceanfront and baptize in the ocean in like March. And it was freezing cold, but that was even better because you were, you know, you were super sold out if you were baptized in like 45 degree water, you know? And, uh, uh, or whatever was. it was. And, you know, it was like, it, but this is, but, and, you, and we had people, it, it was cheering crowds, a yeah. hundred people, you know, bringing you in. It was a party and it was a celebration. You were really brought into the club. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, yeah, so that was, uh, so I figured it out. yeah, that's the studies and that's baptism. 
So the studies, though, so you had the word, which was all about how the Bible was God breathed. You had discipleship and what that meant to be a disciple. That's right. Not just a Christian. Your lifestyle. Then you had the kingdom. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the kingdom, kingdom. study. And that was about what what it meant. To, like, we were the kingdom of God, stuff like that. Yeah, the sinner repentance study, mm-hmm. which is always the hot one. That's that where you was, really had to confess. You had to do a lot of confession and sin. You, you had homework for this study, and you had to write down all the sins. Everything you could come up everything with. Everything that you could come up with. And you talked about it, and then you had to repent. And what that meant was like, for once, like for me, I used to work at this grocery store, and I remember I stole some deodorant and toothpaste one day and God, some you're other such things. a sinner, dude. And I had to tell my manager that I had stolen. So you, 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 did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I went to the manager and I said, I stole these things a couple weeks ago. And he like was like, thank you for coming to us. Just pay for what it was and we'll be fine. Oh. There's people that like. He was probably like, why is this fucking kid coming in here and telling me about this stupid deodorant that he stole? Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? But there were people that I heard like my dad would tell me like, yeah, I cheated on my wife a while ago and they had to like repent and like tell their wife that they did that. And it's like stuff like that. Well, that's, I mean, wow. But anyway, so you would, you would like tell all your sins and then you would like repent of it and all that stuff. And you were with a bunch of people. That was weird. Then you had like the cross. Did you have to ever do the repentance March where we would no. be? Cause so the That's word bad. repent was, is a, it was actually a Roman military term uh-huh. and it meant to turn 180 degrees. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. uh, so if you would repent, you would just, you, if you're walking in one direction, you'd, turn and you walk the other direction and that's the idea is that that's what you did with your life so if you repented yeah. you didn't just you 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 were leading a different life you're you have a different worldview it's 180 degrees from what you were doing before and so as little kids we would uh at these conferences and stuff i'll never forget we'd be like marching across like you know uh ballrooms at like convention center ballrooms um and they'd be like, repent. And then you'd like turn around and you'd go march back. And then oh you'd do it. Oh, my gosh. The stuff. Oh. Oh, the yeah, dude. So we have to. So like after sin and repentance, and the, you would have the cross. And we all knew the cross was when you would learn about how this guy was nailed to the cross because you touch yourself at night. That's right. And then you had to cry at it. <laughs> then you had the uh, the um, denominational study, and that the that was always the wildest one because that was when you learned the history of all the denominations of Christianity and why they are wrong. I don't think I did that one. Oh, you didn't get to do that. Oh my gosh, I don't I remember about, that one. I talked about how Methodists where they got their start. Uh-huh. I talked Baptists. We learned all that stuff, but I don't remember it being a part of the study. Oh, it was a study. We talked. I even remember because this guy was like, "Have you heard of Rastafarians?" Oh boy. And we talked about that, and they were like, "Yeah, man, they smoke weed to get closer to God." And I was like, "For real?" Sounds dope. It does sound dope. Um, I think they're on to something. <laughs> but there was that, and then you had the counting the cost. Yeah, and that, that was, was a big one. That, that was, was a big one. one. That was the make or break. Well, that was the one where it's like, how much are you going to give? 
I remember like I remember signing a paper to about how much like a pledge. I was supposed oh the pledge of how much I'm gonna give every week. Did you remember doing that? We definitely had to give uh and also counting the costs was you know, for me it was you know, because my dad, I got, uh, I was joining the church and getting baptized against my dad's will. So oh, my, dad didn't want you to do my it. dad was not a part of the church. Okay. So he thought it was crazy and fair enough, but I was getting baptized <laughs> against his will, but counting the cost. So for me, the big part of the counting cost was you are you okay with breaking with your dad? Like over this huge situation and you know, I mean, it really like, this is probably the moment that is probably sounds the most culty where I'm like, it's like, you need to break with your family over the church, you know? And, but it, it, but that, that was a, that was a huge piece of kind of the cost for me was, uh, the, the willingness to just do this against my, dad's wishes oh you know, my that gosh kind of that i mean they talked about that you were gonna you know leave your father mother dude did you have to do it during the uh sin and repentance study you have to talk about your family members that were gonna go to hell because they weren't baptized no because i was born to the church so my parents oh yeah i was like so who you know so oh no that was during was that during baptism i can't remember which study it was but it was like you you, you know so these people in your life are they you know, did they repent? Did they, were they baptized? Repentance plus baptism equals salvation. You remember that little formula? Oh, you had to. And, I, but it's no, like, were I they just, you, and it's like, so where are they going? And you, yeah. you literally had to be like, hell? Like, yeah, like my, my family's going to hell, I so, think, I guess. That's, I don't I know. Tell you the <laughs> one thing I remember about, <laughs> I remember about the sinner repentance study as, I remember saying this, and I remember being like, so like, this one time I thought this guy was attractive, <laughs> but like, I don't really know. And the, and like everybody froze. They, they froze. They were like, yeah, well, holy crap. There was no language or ability to deal with that in and, the church. And, and I wasn't like that. I just remember being like, I don't know what to do with like, and it wasn't like this thing of like, like I'm struggling with my identity, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I think, you know, sexuality is a Kinsey, it's, it's a Kinsey scale. Am I saying it right? A sliding scale? Sliding scale. I don't know. Anyway, That's I what they remember say. being like, it's on yeah, a spectrum, a spectrum, whatever. <laughs> and I remember like trying to like say something like, yeah, I mean this one time I thought something and they were like, do you still have this feelings? And it was like everything changed. And I remember being like, <gasps> that's why you got kicked out of cool teen group right there. Probably. That's probably what it was. Uh, Cause that's uh cause you, there was, there was no apparatus to manage that conversation. Oh my uh, God. Yeah. They were like er, record stop. Uh huh. Anyway. Yeah. You don't confess that. You can, <laughs> I made the mistake of saying that. Um, uh, but yeah, dude. the counting cost thing was wild because you know you're basically saying, "Are you ready to like live in a way that is different from everyone you know?" Mm-hmm. And that's right. And then make sure you're like pledging a certain amount of money. 
Like that was the remember. I remember like making sure I had to sign this paper, signing a paper before I, I got remember baptized. signing the paper. I think I kind of remember, but oh it was oh my gosh, signing that paper. I, I don't, I don't know, but it, but that doesn't surprise me at all. Because uh, I remember uh, there was a spreadsheet. Because someone came to me one time, and be like, you know, you haven't you haven't tithed in four weeks, and I was like, well, I mean, I've only like worked like nine hours this week <laughs> like i don't you know like i'm in college like i'm sorry dude ba- baptism though was a huge issue i remember when i was in college my first year at jmu that's what set us apart we were like baptism 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 ba- everything was baptism baptism was the moment you were saved baptism was key a key element to your salvation oh, was yeah, going you through had the ritual. To be baptized. And you know, when but you're not dealing only with, you had to be baptized, every part of you had to be underwater. Submerged. Mm-hmm. And if like a foot was out, you had to re re baptize because you are it's your it's your Achilles heel yeah. and yeah. So can I tell you that my baptism is one of the most embarrassing moments of my life? Oh what? Yeah, because I was going to ask you actually, what, when were you baptized? And how, so I yeah. was baptized um, in the year two thousand. In the year Y two K, baby. Do you remember? Do you remember that Conan O'Brien skit where they would always be like, <laughs> "In the year two thousand, <laughs> you need to look at you need to Google or like YouTube some old Conan O'Brien." When they would do that. <laughs> anyway, so I was baptized in the year two thousand, and. They overfilled the the baptistry, the little the the pool. Oh, uh, so, so yeah, when you're in Virginia Beach, you get baptized you, in the ocean. Yeah. So I got in, and when I got into the water, the water went all the way to the line. Uh-huh. And then when my dad, because my dad baptized me, and it was always like, yeah, yeah this dad nice. gets to baptize the son. Whoop 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 whoop. Yeah, right on. So I get in and I like do it and then I go under and like it literally like water like like <laughs> everywhere and I remember being like this sucks. oh no because I'm oh, like no. I'm a bigger dude it was a tidal I, wave it was a tidal wave <laughs> and I remember being like this sucks like that's all I remember of my baptism is that I had to I overflowed the baptistry. <laughs> overflowed the baptistry. Oh man, that is mortifying. It is more like it, Matt. Like think about that for a second. Like you're already a bigger dude, and I'm not like incredibly overweight, but just the fact that the, like you're overflowing that. Like that's what I remember of my oh, baptism. Well, my dad was soaked. And like people in the front row, like it got to the front row. Like, was, people were in the splash zone. Yeah, people were in the splash zone. Oh, dude, that's so funny. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, but then, yeah, it was. Uh, I was on the beach, 89th Street, the whole God, thing. God, I wish I would have could have done that, man. Mm-hmm. It was uh, super cold. It was, but yeah, I remember that. But yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, it's wild. Like, you know, that was a, and you're singing, I mean, singing songs now. Okay. So we haven't touched on, you know, another different element about first century Christianity, which I also loved, 
but we had no instruments at church. Oh, we had so, all the instruments. You had instruments? We had... What? So, hold on. So, Church of Christ was big on... So, they don't have instruments. Like, that was a big thing. So, in... in I can't believe you guys had instruments. We it, had We never... Honestly, ever, like, I think one time somebody allowed a guitar for a... Spe- not even for, like, normal songs, yeah. but for a special song during communion or something. Oh, and man. it was... People could not handle it the worship leader was like you can never do that again it was like Dude. we no instruments none everything was acapella we everything. had all the instruments i can't believe it and we also so like so there's a band called arrest development with a guy named speech <laughs> and he was a member of our church and so we had all the all the instruments and all the stuff. We had choirs and things. Oh, it was amazing. Wow. We had even like we would get up and I remember my favorite You guys weren't you guys weren't really sold out oh, if you dude, had instruments. Had. So my favorite thing <laughs> Well, cause by the way, the idea behind not having instruments was that there were for some reason, I and this can't be historically correct, but the reasoning we all learned was that it was because first century Christianity you're like meeting in people's houses and stuff and like Roman emperors are trying to, you know, kill you and shit. So really you, yeah. Cause of the persecutions of the first century and all that kind of stuff. So the idea is this is the first, like early Christians worshiped acapella. They weren't, you know, making all this noise with all these instruments. It's like, I mean, we were making noise, but you know, clapping and you know, it was all kinds of stuff. But that was why there's no interest because you're meeting in people's houses and this kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. uh, that's how songs were. I loved it. I, I honestly, I kind of like the acapella stuff. No, I loved, I loved the music, but I will say, so like we would do like where we would take like popular songs and we would like reformat it to fit church. So like there was this band in the nineties called tonic <laughs> Yeah, that song. If you could yeah. only see the way yeah, she loves yeah. me, 100%. and we would instead of saying she, they said he. Oh, oh yes. Oh, and the I classic remember, take a like, take a secular song and turn it into oh, a Jesus man, song. Man, I remember being yeah. like, "Yes, this is great." Uh-huh. But I remember like having speech speech from Arrested Development, like singing at church. Oh my gosh! You gotta look up Arrest Development. I mean, it was big in the nineties. Wow! Were Grammy. Wow! They, wow. Were, they were part of our church. So was the uh, the guy. I'm from- judging you a little bit for having instruments. Uh- <laughs> I had uh, so like my aunts and uncles are from the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, and they uh, hated our church. And I remember one time they came to our church in the morning. And had such a bad experience that they had to go to the, they had to find a church that didn't have instruments that didn't have instruments to go to in the afternoon. It was a it was a it was a palette. deeply uh, yeah. held notion. Uh, it was very jarring for me to go to a contemporary Christian service and hear instruments or or like people playing piano over prayer. It's still very challenging for me. I don't know if it, you know. Nobody goes to church anymore, really. But, you know, it's like, or I shouldn't say that. But, you know, it's it's less and less. That said, it's like you go to a contemporary church today doing prayer. You're going to have just like, there's somebody on the keys. 
Yeah. And it's just a nice Peaceful. like meditation music going over yeah. the keyboard in the back and I'm always like, can we just turn it off? What just turn it off? Do we have to be, you know, can we just can we not just pray and just or meditate in silence? I, you know, whatever. I'm 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 getting way off track here. It's fine. Yeah. Just be you. I yeah. just I think it's funny that like we were part of the same thing but when it comes to music. Like we had a choir. We would do choirs. Yeah. But no, again, but like, all acapella. All acapella. Oh no, I remember we did that song, Are You Ready for a Miracle? Are you ready for a miracle? <laughs> I just, oh my gosh, we we did a lot of stuff with music. We had a we had a whole arts and entertainment ministry. That's where they that's were amazing. all just like playing playing music for the Lord. You guys do upside down. Oh, we I remember we I saw upside down live. For those of you, upside down was a Broadway style musical, musical about. about Peter about yeah right because Peter one of yep. the apostles was as legend has it yes was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified in the same way Jesus, Jesus was, was. Yep. so he asked upside to be down, crucified upside down yeah oh my gosh man i remember getting to see upside down and thinking like this is dope yeah <laughs> so it's, it's it's basically like a broadway style oh, no i know but that's what but i mean it's like, just like we would sing not it. it was like third tier broadway style men like, who dream yeah oh my gosh that that was a that, that songs that we had to sing we're fire. going oh but anyways oh. we're uh yeah but yeah so it's uh so what do you what was like what was the hardest like what was the hardest thing about growing up in that? I think the hardest thing was the living. It, you do feel like you're living a parallel life to other people around yeah. you. So you're going to public school. I mean, you're doing your thing. You're doing, you're going to school, whatever work, but you really do have a sense that you are in the world, not of the world, yeah. as we would uh -huh. say. So, and that is challenging because you do not, everything that you do, every friendship that you make or strike up or every conversation you have with people outside the church is in your mind. And this is going to sound crazy to people, you know, if you don't understand, but in your mind, you're thinking, Maybe I can become friends with this person and then I can invite them out to the church. It's all about church. It's always all about. Always an agenda. Always about church. So, um, so, you know, I, I got a job at Tropical Smoothie and it's like, and I'll never, and it's like, well, you know, this Dope might be God's smoothie. way for you to be able to talk to your coworkers about Jesus. Like everything, literally everything from like making a smoothie might be a way to meet someone or to, bring people to church or whatever it might be Did so work? no i was really terrible i was actually really bad at it i was really bad at it. i i got i got i got i quit tropical smoothie after two months they because they said i was a slow learner uh God. i was very bad at mopping S floors i was much guys. better at i actually moved two two uh shops down to cold stone creamery where i actually i really fl uh, blossomed at cold Heck stone yeah uh slinging ice cream 
Uh, but you know, I, but yeah, it's, it was, that's the, that was probably the hardest part is that you just feel very separate. And then, and then the very, very challenging thing is that when you, if slash when you do leave, uh, a, a, a religious community like this, that's a very insular community, you lose so much of your social life and capital. I remember thinking to myself when I left and it was a really challenging, I mean, it was, you know, I was the, the, the guy who was my absolute best friend and mentor just did, could not understand why I was leaving. And I looked up to him seriously like a brother and it was and that relationship ended in one conversation effectively when I was like I want some space I'm not going to come to church and that was that was challenging you know and I kind of expected it but it was still kind of crazy challenge and I was lucky to have friends outside that I could rely on. But I remember thinking to myself, what am I going to do with all my time? I literally could not conceive of a life outside the church. And so it was this, so to leave was this, to leave was a leap of faith. Honestly, like it was a, I, 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 I didn't know what I was going to do. So, um, but I was lucky enough to have friends that were able to support me along the way. So, you know, and I, and there's a lot of people that don't, when they leave religious experiences like this mm-hmm. and it can be extremely traumatic when you leave a uh, kind of uh, when you, when you leave one of these types of places oh, yeah. um, and I had it easy compared to my sister compared to a lot of other folks that I know who it was extremely traumatizing. You know, when you just lose everything, you lose all the people in your life and you, they just, I mean, I had to move out of my apartment. I literally got kicked out of my apartment. You know, it was like, cause I was living with two other church people. Um, you know, it was that like, you need to move out. We will not, you know, you are done. You know? Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, I think I can identify with that like parallel life as well because you know, I mean, your existence is that you're separate, you know, from everybody else, which is, it's, it's just such a wild, I don't know, when you look back at like Jesus' teachings, I think there was a lot about connectedness to each other that he's trying to get across, but yeah, we were, I was separate mm-hmm. and, I, and I think, I think I always hated that. Because I was always like, I can be here, but I'm not really here, you know. And that was it was it was very challenging, to to have to do that. I think for me, it was towing the line was the hardest thing for me. I think I always felt like I was trying to walk on this path and afraid mm-hmm. to step either a little bit to the left or to the right of the path. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, I think I, I, I definitely feel like I was lucky as well. Cause when I left, I mean, I, I think I left a little, 
I think I left a little by little over the course of like a few years, you know, where like I kind of like, all right, when I was in the campus ministry, I was like, I'm going to go work with the teens. And then I left that and I worked with the teens for a while. I was like, okay, I'm going to leave this and just kind of be myself and just kind of attend somewhere. But then slowly but surely I started to leave. And so it was like a little by little which I think some people that I know, they just like rip the bandaid, just like quit. Mm-hmm. And there's like trauma that comes from that. Well, and I would say that you were in a big church. So yeah. I, you know, here it was, even in Virginia Beach, it was, we had 500 ish, five, 600 members. In Harrisonburg at JMU, it was 30, you know, so yeah. there was no yeah. slow drip leave. No. If you started to slow drip, it was like, what's going on? And then it, it, the issue was forced, you know? So yeah. uh, there just was no such thing as a slow drip. Even, I can't even, maybe there was, there probably was. Uh, but maybe I was just so involved that I could never have slow dripped. Yeah. I. Uh, you know, it's like, it, it just, if I had started disengaging i would have had people there were there was people all around that were like what's going on let's get you right you know it's like you yeah bring pull you back in you know it's like they want to or lift you up in that way but yeah and then so for me it had to be a clean break and you uh and that's when we you fell away that's what we called it falling yeah, away falling away and uh you call it falling away and yeah and you really do you basically are that's it you cut off. I remember uh, this guy fell away, and um, he was a friend of mine, and he fell away. And uh, before he quote unquote fell away, we had we had gotten tickets to go see Incubus. Oh yeah, and uh, I remember like he called about something. I remember saying like I don't feel comfortable with you going to the concert anymore because mm-hmm. he like fell away. Because when he fell away, that was a big deal. It was a huge deal. Yeah, you were like you were like not a part of us anymore. You know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, that's uh, that's exactly right. I remember uh, I actually got to talk to that guy and be like, you know, that was stupid what I did, and like I apologized to him about that. So one of my most embarrassing moments of being self-righteous was that's not bad. That's not that bad. I was with in college uh, with some friends, not in the church. And we were, I forget, we were like in a dorm room somewhere. It was one of those shared dorm rooms where, you know, there's four rooms and then there's like a common area. Yeah, 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 yeah. And someone had drawn a picture of a naked woman and put it up on the common area and i remember being like i'm this is my moment i'm gonna make my stand for the faith and for I like Jesus. ripped it down oh you ripped it down ripped it down Wow. probably one of the most embarrassing moments of my entire life i the like one of the guys i was with was just like what the fuck are you doing dude like that is one this is not your dorm room you know, it's not your area, you know, like yeah. what, 
what in the world make you think that's okay? And I remember just being like mortified, you know, because in the, like, I was so proud, like right before being like, I'm taking a stand for modesty and you know, whatever. And then you realize, oh, so, so, so. but it's like, you have those, sometimes you have, it's like, you can, you ever have, have those moments you look back and you're like, oh my God, it's like still makes you cringe. It's like, that's definitely one of them. Ripping out a picture of a naked lady. Uh-huh. Yeah. Somebody else's yeah. dorm or whatever. Yeah. You just always like felt like you had to prove something. Yeah. 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 You know? So, so we both left the church. Mm-hmm. How was it for you like after you left? Because I think for those of you, like those of you listening, it's like our life revolved around the church like it wasn't like we're going on like sunday and that was it i mean you had sunday service and then in atlanta we had sunday service and if you were a teen you were baptized you would go to your afternoon sunday mm-hmm. devo and then you had like a wednesday and a friday but then you also had like a tuesday bible talk yep and then sometimes but then like the other days were days that you would schedule like bible studies yeah. with people that you that were interested in yeah you know coming so so what was it like well honestly like why'd you leave well i I left because uh the it really was just i felt that i had grown up on in it and Mm -hmm. i knew nothing else and i needed to it it needed to be it wasn't my own right Mm -hmm. And uh, the faith, the faith was not my own. Uh, but then after I left, honestly, I just I had great friends. I was in a couple social groups in college that were just really awesome. And then and so I leaned into those. Uh, studied abroad for a year. I actually like left for a year. Went to did uh, you know the whole thing in Scotland and. Um, and just, there's a freedom in it. There's a huge freedom because like, if I was going to go to Scotland, but when I was in the church, I would have had to ask and I would have had to get permissions and you know, Oh, is this oh the best gosh. thing for your spiritual life? And you know, all this kind of stuff about and everything. everything. And so the fact that I was just like able to do it, I'll never forget when I checked, I was, I, cause I was doing this honors history program. Cause I was a history major and we, and I check, and I was gonna go for this semester abroad to the University of St Andrews, and I remember it was almost an impulse. I just checked it a year because I knew I was like, I want to do. I just wanted to go out. So I did my entire junior year in, uh, yeah, at the University of St Andrews in Scotland, um, and it was, but that kind of stuff, like that's how I coped. It's like I just did. I just, I kind of like got out, branched out met Lindsay pretty soon after we we dated on on and off but I was like able to date again you know we haven't even talked about dating but dating was an enormously control it was an enormously controlled part of church life you did you you could there was some choice involved but it was very it was a group situation you were yeah you were double dating. If you expressed interest in someone, 
there was discipleship partners involved. There was all kinds of stuff going on. Oh my so gosh! Like, Do you remember you could you could date every like once a month, and then it went to like every other week. Right. There's and and you're following yeah. advice from everybody, and oh my God forbid you didn't yeah. follow advice. But yeah. then it was like so, you know, you so the fact that I could just date, you know, and uh, and and have this freedom with Lindsay was, you know, it was great. It was like, it was, there was challenges there too. We kind of dated off and on, but it was, but you know, but the fact that I could make these choices was, was you couldn't make a choice about, I don't feel like I ever could make a choice about myself in the church without someone else feedback input and then if if you Mm -hmm. didn't go if you didn't follow the advice that you got it was like you're well you're sinning because you're not listening to advice or you're at least a troublemaker yeah so um so that's kind of how i dealt with the the leaving was definitely a bit of a rumspringer kind of vibe and then i eventually came back so Lindsay and i my mom passed away when we were 25 when i was 25 uh and it and she was a woman of faith and it was those are kind of interesting moments because you realize how uh in your 20s you're like okay faith is uh, you know religion is really about life moments yeah ultimately Uh it's about birth and marriage and having babies and dying and you know it's like it's about these huge life elements that's where all the ritual in religion is centered. It's centered yeah. around major human moments. So when you see my mom who was passing away, who had such faith and not like crazy faith, like it was like n- normal. It was just, it was the kind of faith that makes somebody just a strong person, not like an ignorant person. I yeah. feel like sometimes faith is tied with ignorance and that's not what, it was with my mom. It was very just a deep set, like contentment with her situation and understanding and like facing the unknown with a sense of courage. And that's what her faith gave her. And I thought to myself, like I want when I die and it was unexpected with my mom, you know, kind of came out of nowhere. But when, you know, when, whenever, whatever hits me comes out of nowhere, I want to be able to face my end with the same sense of courage and uh and and peace that she was able to muster. Yeah. And so Lindsay and I we've we've you know since you know we we still go to church still you know have our faith but now today it's ours yeah. and it's very different uh, than it was when, when we grew up. Um, and it's much more broad, I would say than it was when we were, you know, when you and I were, you know, kind of in, in our experience in the church. Yeah. Broad minded. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think, you know, I left little by little, over the course of a few years, it was hard for me to leave because it was all I knew. And for me, like leaving the church was like leaving myself because it was all I knew. 
But I think every there were just these moments in my life that would be like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. It's like, we can't be the only ones. Like, that's what we're saying for real. We're the only ones that got it right. <laughs> right you know, right, right, like right. I think of like that South Park episode where like, like that can't be right. There's all these people going like they're trying to get to heaven. And they were like, I'm sorry, but I was Catholic. I was like, Protestant is like, I'm sorry, the correct answer was Mormonism. <laughs> you know, like, like, like that, that doesn't feel like that's true. And then I remember I had a relation, like, not a relation, well, a friendship with this teen who, like, eventually, you know, came out as gay. Mm-hmm. And then he became a cutter because of how he was treated. Yeah. yeah. And I remember that was something that was like, I don't agree with that because I think I've always felt that if there's one place that could like at least figure it out or like feel safe could be this, but it failed in so many ways. And then it was just like, it was just this consistent feeling of like, I'm not buying what I'm selling Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I eventually was just like, you know, I need to go. I need to. F- I just need to figure something out, because it was a little bit of like, this is. Well, and the, and that's the other thing is that the church did not give you like, did not give you space to figure it out yeah. within its structure. So if you wanted to figure it out, you had to kind of leave. But it was this kind of but because of the ostracization that yeah. comes with leaving. Um, it, it just led to, you, you just, there was so much pressure around it. You couldn't just casually figure it out. Yeah. Because, because what if you read something that wasn't from like this books that are agreed upon from the church mm-hmm. that take you away? You know, I remember when the Velvet Elvis came out by Rob Bell and people were like, oh, be careful with that book, mm-hmm. you know, because it could take you away from the church or something like that. I remember people saying that and being like, huh. And that's one of the books that's been like the most enlightening books of my life. Mm. But just like. It just it was just a little by little of just like I mean I just don't believe this, mm-hmm. and you know I just had to let it go for a while, and I remember I tell people sometimes, or not sometimes I talk about how like I just kind of floated around mm-hmm. with like thoughts and feelings and like this makes sense to me and this makes sense to me and this makes sense to me, you know? Um, because I, I kind of got really angry and upset for a while about like all of it, you know, mm-hmm. because there was a lot of hurt and trauma from it because I was never the person in the church that, people were like, oh, he could be, he could do something or he could do that. Mm -hmm. You know, like he was never going to be more than like a quote unquote worker bee 
kind of like mm-hmm. servant. So there was a lot of that that I had to like work through. Mm. You know? Mm. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think um, it was, it's just such, it was such a wild, it's just a wild thing that we could yeah. sit here and talk about for hours and mm-hmm. hours and hours about all the little intricacies. I know. And so it's a, yeah, it's a, it, it is. And, and I think it's, it, it's a, it is challenging. But again, it's like, it, there's, there's good and bad. I think ultimately though you do, it, it's, you have to, you, you just had to, you had to, you have to, you had to make you know, make the leap out, which is good. I do for, I, but I've talked to a lot of other folks that have left and they're always kind of similar. There's there's a lingering sense of like, uh, uh, like grief that's involved in a, in mourning of, of a loss of faith and community and just kind of an understand, like a worldview that like was so, self-contained it's like there's this great freedom that comes but with that great freedom also comes this like well what even is true right what is truth what is that is thrown into question because when you were when you feel like you know what is true (laughs) for so long and then you enter into this world of like well you just have to be more comfortable not knowing what is true Oh, and yeah. that in uh-huh. entering and, and and that's not saying that there's no such thing as truth. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is entering into a sense of being comfortable knowing yourself that you just don't know and may not always understand what is true. You can continue to search for it, which is great. And you can you can consider, you know, in in but you just may not be there where there's this like confidence that comes when you're in a kind of uh, a more structured religious setting that is like, it's a confidence. Like I have the truth. It is the truth. And and I have it and you know it and it's, you can be confident in it and you never question it. And so there is a, but there's a sense of kind of mourning that lot, that loss of yeah. confidence in truth, capital T truth. Um, and, uh, and there's, it takes a while, I think, to kind of get a little bit more comfortable with the messiness of just being able to like under, you know, be a little bit more, you know, uh, open to yeah. the fact that you don't know. Well, I think truth is subjective, and it's like it's what's true to yeah. you could not necessarily be true to me. There's there's some truth that's shared. I think there is some truths that are shared, but when it comes to like God, religion, all of this, I think it, it really is this, it's a subjective thing. And I think what's true to you is something that you need to hold on to. Like if you find truth in something, I think that's where like I want, I kind of, where I want this conversation to go is that for me, I've come to this place of like, I find truth in things and I hold on to that. And 
I don't have to prove it to anyone else, which is a big deal because our life was proving that we're right in the church. You know, you, you were proving mm-hmm. that our way is the best way. And so like, there's, there's things that I believe and I see and I feel and it's truth to me. And so I'll hold on to that. And it's okay if you don't see it the same way, which for me was very freeing because if you didn't see things the way that I saw it, then that meant we were done because Mm -hmm. or you didn't believe. Yeah. You didn't believe it the same way I believed it. Then we were, you know, there was always going to be an arm's distance. But for me, like where I'm at is like, and what I'm seeing is like, we don't have to prove our truths. Well, so I would say this is, I think of, I I might push back and say, I do think that there is a level of objective truth, or at least if it's not objective, there is a truth that is right. And there is there is a there is a viewpoint and 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 perspective and world view world view perhaps that is more correct than others mm-hmm. and not all of them are equal and i do i do not believe that like all world views are kind of created equal like if somebody's like well it is my world view that we sacrifice babies i'm going to say that world view is fucked up. And <laughs> yeah. I don't think that is correct. Even though it is your subjective truth, so to speak, yeah. I think that is not true or good at all. So, yeah. you know, I do think that there are certain... I, I do... But we... It's so interesting because as humans, we agree on way more than we disagree on, but we don't actually see what we agree on because it's what what we swim in. It's like the water that we swim in. Right. So it's like, you know, if a fish is going to express an opinion they're you know, in the water, they're not expressing an opinion on whether or not they can breathe underwater. They just can. And that is just, that is their life. Do you know what I mean? So like, we don't express opinions on the things that we all, all agree on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like we, but we do have some fundamental things that we agree that we just always agree on. You know, it's like, don't fucking kill people and don't, you know, that, that's just every culture is this way, you know, or like murder or, you know, especially like when it comes to like individual stuff, you know, or theft and, you know, these types of, you know, uh, I mean, I just don't, I mean, I don't know. And I could be wrong. There probably are some out there, but cultures that like say anger's awesome. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, you know, it's like you know. Now some people might say control, like you know, use your anger. That's not what I'm saying. But just we're just like uncontrolled rage is a good thing. It's like no, it's like you know, I just that just doesn't exist because uncontrolled rage is just chaos, and and so. And a lot of these things just lead to chaos. And so the, these types of the, the, the jealousies and the, 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 the selfishness, all those things that we were talking about. And, but we don't need God to tell them that, tell us that they're true. We can see it. We can see, 
we can see it, you know, and in every, in every human culture comes to their own versions of it, but there is versions of, I think, truth in, in, in human living. And it's not all just subjective. And now experiences are certainly subjective and the manifestations and how that all kind of works out in your individual life is definitely subjective. But I do think that there is a element of, you know, things that are better and right and more beautiful and good, like capital G good, right? That, mm. you know, that, that do exist and they are ob- objectively true, like in the sense that they aren't just about me in my subjective experience, but they're, they yeah. are observable amongst all of us. I hear what you're saying. I think maybe what I'm figuring out is like a faith thing more than a truth thing, yeah. which for, for us growing up, faith was truth. And I think faith is a silly thing to argue about. To some level. Well, faith is 100% subjective. There's no doubt about it. Because faith I, is, is all about you. I think that's really what I'm trying to say is like faith is subjective. And, you know, there's a faith in, in what you, how you perceive the Bible or how you perceive what God is or the divine or spirit or whatever it is. And it's just it's just a silly thing to try to prove because it's a subjective thing. Well, and you know, here's the thing: when it comes to faith, you you should never. And this is hopefully, and this is maybe we're just getting older, and so all of this, you know, when you're younger, you just feel so much more pressure to prove yourself. I feel like every year that I get older, the more I'm just like, I don't care what anybody else thinks but there is a but with faith there is a sense of like that is you know sub, it, there is a subjective I will say that I think <laughs> I do think there's probably some things that are better to put your faith everybody's putting their faith in something yeah right everybody's putting your faith in something even if you don't believe in God you're putting your faith in the fact that you think that there's no God yeah. that is a faith stance right 100%. and you can, or if you, every, every single person on this planet is putting their faith in something. Now, I do believe that there are better things to put your faith in than others. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, we can choose the wrong things to put our faith in that will let us down or that will crush us when we, when they're when they're gone or whatever it might be like if you put your faith you know it's like we put our faith in money you can you know that is going to destroy you i don't care whether you lose it all or you make it all no matter what it's going to destroy you because it's going to consume you in a way that is going to be detrimental to your just general well-being and so like people and you know people could disagree with me on that, but that's, you know, but I just like, but like, I would say that that is not a great place to put your faith, you know, but most people probably put their faith in something like money. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, they do. Or I, status. Yeah. 
I think though for us we had this feeling that that our faith was truth. Yes. And that's right. And that's right. That when we like, were mm-hmm. And I think that like that's a very oh it's it's just not a place to stand on because faith is not meant to be truth. Right? That well you are 100% correct there. They they are two very different things. And and I think we like for me that understanding was something that was like mind blowing because it's like I mean I can have faith in things and truth and see like and when I say truth it's just stuff that makes sense to me and like but and I think I hold on to that because for a long time your truth had to be your faith and it had to come from this one thing and you had to be very careful where you were looking because if your faith and your truth came from something else it could push you away mm-hmm. and so i kind of got to this place of like understanding that like no it your faith and your truth can come from all these places and it's it's very enriching that it comes from all of these places you know yeah but i I, yeah i think you know faith and truth are just totally different i mean not totally they're related but they're very very different faith is the is is really the mechanism by which you derive meaning in your life. Hundred percent. That yep, if 100%. I had to define faith, that is, I would say faith yeah. is that by which you find meaning in your life. Yeah. And so that could be money, it could be jobs, it could be your family, it could be your hobby, it could be a lot of different things. And many people over the course of human history I've chosen a God type figure and you know, as their alternative to these other types of things that you can put your faith in and that you can derive your meaning from. And that's different than truth because that, that is inherently subjective because your meaning in life, like your meaning and purpose in life is very much yours. So that is, uh, a, you know, you know, you, you kind of have to figure that out for yourself. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you have some good people that you can see that can help guide you. And like, you know, and, and, and but yeah, it's, it's a, uh, where truth, you know, I just, I, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a, I don't want to like repeat myself, but I just do think that like, you know, I, I'm not convinced God is a terrible place to put your faith. Yeah. You know, if you, if some, if everybody's putting your faith, if everybody's putting their faith in something, everybody, again, everybody believes something that is not based on fact or rationality. Everybody, everybody believes, believes, you know, has belief systems and structures that are just faith based. Uh, Cause again, I come back to that, you know, point, you know, it's like, even if you believe, even if you're an atheist, that's a faith position. And 
Because no, nobody knows any, nobody knows, nobody knows that, nobody knows. <laughs> so, yeah. and so I think that the ultimately, you know, I, I think this is the biggest, you know, if, you, if you're going to put your faith in something, maybe put your faith in something that's bigger than you and that can't be taken away from you. Mm-hmm. And because if you put your faith, you know, when you put your faith, if you put your sense of meaning and purpose in something that is uh temporary mm-hmm. then or 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 that is fleeting then you're setting yourself up for failure and you, you, just emotional failure and like psychological failure like it, you, that's how you become a bitter person you know or a resentful person if you want to be a joyful person or a happy person like maybe try to find something put your faith in something that's grander bigger than yourself you know and i think that a healthy concept of god is not a terrible option uh if you're considering ways to find purpose and meaning in your life you know i'm not talking about an exclusive sense of god but like a a sense of purpose where it's like there's something bigger than me i am called to be better and to Im- improve myself and to, you know, and, you know, you, if you put yourself in something as big as, uh, as like a God, then like that helps you put in perspective. Well, I want to, okay, that helps me order up my, the rest of my priorities. So I want to be a good, I want to be good at my work and I want to be good at my, be a good husband and a good father and a good, you know, whatever, all these things, you know, and it's like, but when you derive your meaning and purpose from something that's bigger than yourself, it, uh, I just find it helpful to, um, I guess, order the rest of the shit going on in your life. So, you know, I, you know, that's my, that's my, my ultimate. So I don't, I, I don't know. And that, maybe that, that is subjective, mm-hmm. but I also feel that that like, makes sense (laughs) well i think maybe maybe i'm speaking for you let me know if i am but there's a freedom that comes with what you're saying because you figured it out and you've come to these conclusions versus these conclusions were given to you yeah there's a that is you are 100 percent correct on that (laughs) good because i think which is you kind of hit the nail on where I was going to come from. It's like, where are you now versus where are you then? Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. Cause I think when I talk about God in the church, I was, I kind of started saying it's like a lowercase G God versus the God that I, I like experience now is like an uppercase G. And sometimes if you use the word divine or spirit, Mm-hmm. I've like changed the names because sometimes when I hear the word God, I I get really like, like clam up, but there's power in like experiencing these things now with, through the freedom that we have Mm -hmm. versus this is what God is. This is what our life means. This is what you're supposed to do. This is how it's supposed to look like. 
because ultimately you are trying to live your life to an ideal versus what's true for you, right? And the biggest place that, like where I'm at now is like what's true for me is true for me. And what's true for you is true for you. And that's okay. I don't have to prove myself mm. to you. You don't have to prove yourself to me. So now, and this is what you're getting into the social pressure element of it, which yeah. is like, yeah, like, and not only do I believe this, but now you also must believe this. Yeah, exactly. And that's like, that's and where it's there's like. There's books about how <laughs> that's such an unhealthy view of life. Oh, totally. I mean, that's just and like faith in God. Because at the end of the day, like, like I've I left I left the church. I left that lifestyle, and I'm here now, and I still get called back to God, divine spirit this thing and that's cool it's okay for me and i and i believe it i feel it and i'm i walk with it and that's cool and and i and i love that you know because it's mine now versus this was just given to me and like believe it feel it and if you don't get it something's wrong with you mm. you know kind of thing yeah yeah but i think just being able to, again, but you have to be able to be comfortable sitting in the space of being like, I don't know. And I can have my thoughts on faith or whatever, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, I don't know. Nobody knows. Like, you know, and, and, and I, and somebody was like, I, I was, I don't know where I was, but I was talking to somebody. They're like, well, what if it was like proven that there was no God? I'd be like, oh, fine. Okay, cool. Like, because <laughs> yeah. honestly, like if we were able to prove it, I still think that it's not a terrible way to live. Where if you have like, if you have, if you live with a sense of, uh, of, you know, a calling to a higher purpose. Now, if we could, get, this is what I say, if we could get rid of all the exclusive, more pressury, social pressury stuff that you're talking about, we would be much better off. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's just it's like a connected thing. Like, it's it's just that like loving and caring for other people. Like, if there's no God, that, sure. does that does that still make does that still make helping people like it's like you're still gonna want to do it. Yeah. So like you know, it's like you're still gonna live like there is one, even if we find out that we're all just a mathematical simulation. Yeah. Which, could Which really possible. is no different than what Christianity says sure. either. There's always people like, oh, what if we're just in a simulation? I'm like, that that is basically just a mathematical way of being like, it's a God. You know, it's the same thing. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah dude, well, wanna, this is, this is, we've gone all over the place. We have. I do like where we're at now because as a kid, you couldn't be in this place. No. Too much nuance. And the nuance is what's cool. The nuance is what makes, I don't know. I love the nuance because I think, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if we're supposed to know all the answers and I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. You know, 
I'm okay with like, I'm at a place now. I'm okay with what I've gone through, which is a big deal because it's such this, it's such an intense thing what we've gone through, you know, and like being a part of something that was like so strong on like we're it and everyone else is wrong. And I think that's given us, I mean, we didn't even talk about like we, you know, in our conversations outside of this is the BS monitor, Mm -hmm. the BS meter. You know, when someone comes to us and it's like, I'm the truth, I'm this. I'm like, no. You're like, hold on a second. Uh, I've been there. I've been through this before. Yeah, exactly. No thanks. That's uh, been my favorite thing about what we've gone through. If if I could end on something. Uh, it's the BS meter. <laughs> you know? Because I think so that, that we've, been, we've been through something where it's like, if you do this 100% this way, everything's going to work out. <laughs> You know? And it's like that. That's not. That's never the case. No, it's never and, the case. Uh, which, which I think it, it has helped me in so many ways. Oh but, man, uh, so true. It's easy to recognize, but uh, yeah, this is fun. Yeah, and I wouldn't trade it. I really wouldn't have. There's a lot of things that have come from my time in in this that has been positive whether it be the friends that I have, the mindset on life possibilities that, you know, I'm, I'm down with, I'm okay. Yeah. It's It's not all bullshit. No, it's in, and it's also, you just like, it is what it is. So hopefully you can, you know, look for, look, you know, take what you have and then look forward and not, you know, spend too much time looking back. But I know I don't want my kids to go through this. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're gonna be okay. They're gonna go through their own shit. Yeah, they will. So, uh, uh, Jim, thanks for coming on. We've been talking for two hours. All right. Well, look at us. <laughs> hey guys. So uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And um, I don't know. I think what's one thing? What's one thing I think we could, you know. Whatever you find true is true for you. Whatever, sure, you're gonna have to come up with an episode title. I know. Uh, but <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll have to figure it out. <laughs> this has been great. It has been. All right, guys, be excellent to each other. Until next time, see ya. <laughs>